Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Thyroid Fix podcast. Today, we have a very, very special guest. I cannot wait to talk about this information, and you guys are going to want to listen and take notes. I promise you, this is good, good stuff. So mainly ladies here. We're talking ladies. Get out your pen and paper because you will want to hear this. So my guest today is Jenny Hulbert. She is a fitness specialist teaching movement that's part cyclical, seasonal, sweaty, and soulful. I just love that. She has a bachelor's of science and master's degree in exercise physiology and sports psychology. As a student of nature and wellness advocate with doTERRA, she worked with essential oils as plant allies and teaches others about these gifts of the earth for our well-being. From the Wild Wellness Podcast to her programs, Wild Femme Fit, and the Workout Without Burnout Blueprint, everything she offers is to help others live in, live and sweat in sync with nature. Love that too. God, that's beautiful. Jenny believes you can reach your goals without sacrificing your well-being as you seek to embody what nature has always modeled. It's not a sprint, it's a cycle. So Jenny, thank you so much for coming on and welcome. Um, Let's see, where to start? I I just want to tell people about you and then we'll get into all the the good topics. Thank you. I'm so excited to chat with you. Are you finally at your wits end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Maybe you've spent thousands on integrative or functional practitioners that have not helped you at all because they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're not even testing properly. So come work with myself and my team. We prescribe to all 50 states and parts of Canada. I have you covered. I've been building this team for years so that I could help you no matter where you are. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, book a free application call. We're going to go over your current health situation, what worked, what hasn't worked, all the things. And then we will pair you up with the right program for you where we will do it all. You will come out the other side of the program, totally optimized, getting your life back. You're going to recognize the person you see in the mirror again. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? Well, it might sound like you don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon. I, as you shared, have a background in exercise physiology and uh, sports psychology. I wanted to, when I, you know, was deciding what do I want to study, what do I want to do <laughs> with my life, and what kind of work do I want to do, I knew that I wanted to help people with their health. And I actually started out on a pre-med track, but then gravitated towards the fitness realm. But I got my master's in sports psychology because I knew that I really wanted to learn more, not just about the physiology, but more about that mind-body connection and just how everything plays into our movement, our fitness, and whether that be social factors, psychological factors, all of that. So I started out with my career path as a personal trainer. And you would think that I had like everything I needed to both train myself and work with other people. But the big teaching moment that I had was when I was completely exhausted and I had trouble sleeping. I was gaining weight that didn't seem to make sense. It was in odd places. I wasn't recovering quickly from things. I really felt run down a lot of times. I had migraines all the time. I mean, I could go on with how I felt. I just did not feel like myself. I went to a lot of different doctors, both more allopathic and 
um, or on the naturopathic side and got different tests. One test said that my thyroid levels and hormone levels were kind of on that low end of normal, but they were still normal. So she wasn't really pursuing much. And then um, one of the MDs that I saw wanted to just put me on an antidepressant because that seemed to be what was wrong. And of course I was feeling depressed, but it was because I couldn't live the way I wanted to. I wanted to uh, have more energy and yeah, it was affecting my mood. So finally I landed with a functional medicine practitioner who helped me to realize that my adrenals needed some major support. I had been really over training as I reflected back. And so that's why I say as a personal trainer, you would think I had this all packaged together, but we can get into this a little bit more, but there's so many things that we're often taught in fitness that don't honor the cyclical bodies that we actually have, especially as women. So I didn't know that. And so that was a whole new path for me, a new understanding to help myself get back to a place where I was healthy and feeling better and also, you know, able to do the work that I love to do. And just looking back, you know, nature is a model for me in that because of its seasons and cycles. And to me, that's very much the model that I take for how we can live and work with our bodies in terms of movement and fitness. But also it's been such a teacher in so many other ways, because like a lot of women, I struggled with body image and eating disorder issues and things like that over my teen years and into my twenties as well. So that's why I say that really nature is like, I'm a student of nature. It's been such a teacher for me as well. And I think the movement piece being seasonal, cyclical, sweaty and soulful, it just all kind of brings that in because it's very multifaceted, just like nature is. And to me, it's, um, as I said, like an anchor for us. So I know we'll go there, but that is, that is why I, uh, hold to that philosophy. Yeah. I mean, I can understand that because like you and I talked before going through that whole fitness time frame of both of our lives, we both got a little bit like crazy with it, right? Mm-hmm. A little bit obsessive. And then you start saying, okay, I have to do this certain workout. I have to kill myself. I have to get my heart rate above whatever 160, or I don't feel like I worked out. So it's very easy to get into that beating yourself up pattern and not even realizing that you may, may be doing more harm than good, especially as a woman with our different cycles. Yeah. What what do you see now working with women that come to you in that same state that you were in that, mm-hmm. that, you know, what is wrong with me? I think I'm doing the right thing. What do you, how do you start them out? What do you do with them? Yeah. And really speaking to what you just said too, with that over training or maybe overdoing capacity. Like we do that in a lot of areas of our life. And I think for me, it wasn't just in fitness. It was in everything else I was doing too, because how you do one thing is how you do a lot of things. But for me, I was so into running. I, at that time was doing a lot of long endurance, like, you know, a lot of half marathons back to back, and then eventually did like an ultra marathon and went all the distance, you know, just so many miles and so much. And for a while you can maybe sustain that. I had done a lot of that for many years and even run in uh, college and competed in that way. So the competition piece, the doing it for a sustained period of time piece, a lot of times, like you said, you get to a place where it's like, well, what's 
what's wrong? Like I've been doing this and it's been fine. So now suddenly what has changed and what, what's the difference? And so when a lot of women would feel that similar way where maybe they were able to do it at one point and now they're not, I think it's really important to look at the whole picture and what else is going on in your health, within your life, because exercise is such a beneficial thing for the body but there's also that point of diminishing returns. And that's shown in research where if we do too little, it's not great. And if we do too much, it's actually not great for longevity either. And so there's a difference between working out for fitness and working out for health. And that's something that I've come to realize too. So what our goal is and what we're doing, I think is really important to identify which, which direction are we going? Have we been doing it more for the fitness or do we really, um, have a a value in health as well, which most most of us do, you know, but if that is important to you, then it's a reframe of maybe a lot of what we've been taught because, as you said, most of us think that well more if 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 working out is good, then more is better, you know, that sort of thing. So thinking about that, what where's your where's your goal? Where are you where are you thinking in that process and what have you been taught in that way as far as working out for fitness versus health? And then also, like I said, looking at a lot of other areas of your life, I hadn't really considered that exercise was a stress until I really had to realize that it was. And because you get that adrenaline and cortisol release and all the hormones that help us to get up and go and do the things. I mean, that's a normal response that we have when we exercise, but when we're doing that, a lot and we're doing it sustained. And maybe we also have a lot of that going on in our lives because we're in stressful situations a lot, or we're watching a family member go through uh, something or an illness, or we're dealing with financial stressors or career stressors or other things that are making us emotionally, mentally, just also physically, there's no separation there, have that response of fight or flight and that sympathetic nervous system response, then we can get just really out of balance there. And those, you know, whole cascade of hormones like Amy talks about are what kind of play into that. So it's really important, I think, to realize what other maybe digestive physical stress is going on in my body, in my life. What other psychological, emotional stressors do I have? What have I been through? And it's not just what you've been through in the last week or month. It's This is a buildup, I think, for many years, a lot of times. And I had to look back and think to myself, you know, what has been going on in my life? And even looking as far back as how long I dealt with an eating disorder and how stressful that was on my body and my mind and just, you know, my whole being, um, not separating the two, but just looking at all the things that maybe have led up to that to me helps understand it a little better. And it also helps you to see, well, maybe some of those things aren't a stress anymore, but is there anything else you need to maybe resolve with it, have closure with it. Or if there is closure there, like how are you still maybe carrying out some of those patterns now into your everyday life? For me, I hadn't really ever been taught or modeled how to balance work and rest. I don't think other than maybe take one day off a week, you know, have a, have a Sabbath day, have a a rest day. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like I'm, you know, I'm not bashing that in any way, but to me, there's, it's, it's more than that. <laughs> it's more than just that one day a week. It's what are you doing on a daily basis? Because there's daily stuff that we all face that we have to recalibrate. And 
that concept of like winding down before bed was totally foreign to me. Like in college, I would just type on the computer and do my work and, you know, study late and then just hop into bed and go to sleep. And there was a point where that stopped working. So you have to look at, you know, what are the patterns that I've been doing that are just not working anymore? How am I fueling my body that maybe isn't working for me anymore because of where I'm at in my life or because of the fact that I'm 10 years older now (laughs) or what is working for me, you know, five years ago in fitness and the way I'm moving that maybe isn't working for me now, because there's just ways that even our priorities and our goals shift, you know, it's interesting to think of, you know, at one point you being so interested in weightlifting and, and body competition and not that you're not interested in that now, just like I'm still interested in running, but I've had a shift in how I approach it mm-hmm. and why I'm interested in it. And even just the, like I, like I said, the approach, I guess, as to how I go about it. So we need to allow ourselves to change and change in all of those ways too, so that we can see what's going on, what was going on with me and maybe then how could that change now for the better? And also, you know, what are these stressors that are in my life that I can either manage better, eliminate somehow, you know, we can't always eliminate everything that is a stress in our life, but we always can choose our reaction to it and work on how it, how it affects our bodies and it, at least to some capacity, I think. You said so many good nuggets in there. I don't know where to start. I went on a big tangent, I feel (laughs) like. (laughs) There's so much good in there. All right, what do I want to focus? Well, first of all, this really speaks to all categories of, I guess, mental states in in health and fitness. So we're speaking to our type A's because we get you, because Mm -hmm. we were one. We're like you said, you know, you're you're hyper-focused and type A in one area of your life, it's going to be in other areas. So- our type A's that are, are killing themselves at the gym, the cardio queens that keep keep doing it and keep running, 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 treadmill, elliptical, hours and hours. And then, like you said, even adding on, that's a stressor. So if you ever test your glucose after you work out, it's going to be higher because your cortisol rises because exercise is a stressor and that's going to bring up your glucose. So that, that's one way to test, like to say, hey, listen, this is a stressor on your body. So we get that and then sitting there till late at night on your phone, on your computer, those are still in the type A's, but we're also talking to the people that maybe they haven't even started yet. Maybe they can't, like you and I talked earlier, if you're in a hypothyroid state and you're listening to this going, I don't know if I'm going to listen any further because I don't even have the energy to work out. Mm -hmm. Well, no, stay tuned and keep listening because we're going to make it, Jenny is going to make it just clear as day for you. So this really speaks to both ends of the spectrum. You know, the type A's need to dial it back and the people just starting who don't have energy, we're going to start you off a little bit slower. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what I, what I love about this approach that I've learned over the course of having to get myself better and then working with other women that really resonate with this because it's, it's in us. Like it's the way that we're made is this cyclical approach, which I think speaks to not only helping you to avoid or get out of that burnout cycle of always going one pace and it always being a thousand miles an hour, but it also helps with those who might not feel motivated to work out for a variety of reasons. And a lot of times it's because you just don't feel like you have the energy to. And I think what this does is it helps to 
break that thinking up that maybe we've gathered along the way from different messaging we've heard and different things that we have just taken on from society where it's like, if it's a workout, it has to look a certain way. It has to feel a certain way. It has to be a certain pace. And usually it's always like a level maybe harder than what we even think we can do, which there's nothing wrong with reaching and you know, being able to challenge yourself, but without feeling depleted. But at the same time, I think we have this vision of like you said before, if we don't have our heart rate up to a certain place, then it's just not even a workout. Like we have to reframe what we think is, is a workout. And that's why I interchange the terms workout, fitness, movement, because a lot of times even that word workout is loaded with a lot of meaning that we need to let go of and we need to just make it movement. There's more reasons for you to move your body than just physical too. Like mm-hmm. what about just the mental health purpose? And you can accomplish that with a walk that you may not consider a quote unquote workout because you didn't go to the gym or you didn't sweat even, or you, right. you know, barely um, felt like you did anything but at the same time, it was you were moving your body, and that is so beneficial in some ways. So it's it's a whole reframe of what we think about fitness. And I think if if that's something that you need to hear, if you are struggling with motivation, then maybe consider that first. You know, what is it that I'm? What expectations am I putting on myself first of all with what I need to be doing, what I should be doing in terms of fitness? And then if you are setting yourself up with, okay, moving forward now, I want it to, I want to move more. I want to work out more is a common thing that you might be saying to yourself. Yeah. What is that going to look like? Do you want to do a combination of weights and, or strength training in any capacity and um, something that's more cardio based, you know, those are usually two good anchors to have along with flexibility. So like having those pieces is great, but think about what it is you enjoy the most too. And consider that because you're only going to do things that really light you up and that give you energy. So if you're picking something because you think you should be doing it and you really don't like it at all, then there's so many options out there. You know, if you don't like yoga, don't do yoga, find something else that you like to do. If you don't like to run or do an elliptical, try biking, try swimming, try something else. Because I really think that there's something out there that all of us like would like doing, you know, if we, let's say if we have the energy for it, you know, that that's a whole nother what we're talking about, obviously, where sometimes it can get lost and like, I don't feel like doing anything just because I'm exhausted. But at the, at the core of what you like to do, maybe even think back to what you like to do when you were younger, Mm -hmm. before you had all of this change in your life and your body and all of this come down on you, you know, what was it that you enjoyed? Maybe it was dance. Maybe it was swimming. Maybe you did like to run, but now you don't. There's a lot of reasons that may have changed. So do what you love. And then this cyclical approach that we can get into is about looking at how you can anchor to your body's natural rhythms and also thinking about the season of nature and how that might be shifting and influencing you too, because there's a way that you can adjust how you're doing your workouts based on where your body is at throughout your monthly cycle, mm-hmm. or even just with the energy of the, the month itself, because we are influenced by nature and that includes the moon phases and everything else going on around us. So right. there are things outside of us that we can anchor to, even if we don't have a menstrual cycle, but that's kind of where we can head next is just talking about 
what can that look like and how can you anchor to something so that you don't always feel like you're going a hundred miles an hour on a treadmill all the time. And there's actually different paces and different goals of each of these phases that you go through. I love that. Like you say, in, in, in all of your writing and in your podcast, work out without burnout. Mm-hmm. So, and, and we want to figure out a way. And the other thing you, you say is, is sweating in, in sync with your cycle, which I absolutely love too. Yeah. Two great phrases, but it just sums it up. Like, let's just talk about that. Yeah. So a woman who is cycling still, mm-hmm. take us through the regimen that you would have her do with each phase of her cycle. Yeah. In general, we can talk about how you might, what challenges you might have in each phase and then what you might be Mm -hmm. um, focused on as a commitment. So like, yeah, big caveat, this is going to be different for everyone. It's also going to be different for you based on the time of year, based on where you're at personally. Like, you know, even I still notice in my personal Uh, practice with this is that sometimes I expect to feel a certain way because of where I'm at in my cycle. And then I don't feel that way. So it's not, it's not just a hard and fast rule. It isn't so black and white. There's a lot of variation, but I'm going to give you just a a template so that you have somewhere to kind of start and you have at least a rhythm to start to notice. That's the, that's the big thing that I would say too, is that one of the most important things that I have students who take my courses do is to chart and track your cycle and your workouts together. And there's different factors that I have found are really helpful to track along with your workout numbers and what day you're on in your cycle and kind of what phase you're in that are going to help you to get a clearer picture and maybe see patterns that will help you to know how to tweak this for yourself and make it more individual, more personalized. So just as a starting point, it's great to even, if you're not tracking, if you're tracking your cycle, but maybe not tracking workouts alongside that, that's a good place to just begin to notice some patterns with this. But if you were starting on day one of your cycle, first day of bleeding, that would be the, what I call the base phase and it's obviously the menstrual phase. Mm-hmm. Seasonally, it sort of embodies the winter season. So it's a more inward time. There's more energy going inward than outward. Hopefully we have you know, a lot that our body is needing to release and kind of come to that new space with, that new um, fresh beginning. But in terms of workouts, a lot of times you might not feel like doing very much. And yet you maybe have heard advice too that says, well, certain types of movement, particularly maybe um, crunches will help with cramps, or maybe I'm the only one that's heard that. I don't know, but um, (laughs) there's a lot of things out there that might suggest what you could do to help with menstrual cramps or your menstrual symptoms in general. And I would just say that, you know, typically I don't feel like doing very much. And I would say 99.9% of the women that I uh, have worked with and talked to about this agree that that's a time of rest. It's a time when they're slowing down. They're not doing a whole lot, at least on the first couple days. Now your energy will start to possibly ramp up on days three, four, and five. By that time, you're maybe kind of coming to an end, especially by day five. So it's just good to pay attention to how you're feeling. And really this is the time when rest is one of the most beneficial things that you can do. And if you are going to do something movement wise, it can still aid circulation, going for a walk, doing something 
maybe uh, swim if it's not like too cold because cold isn't good that way either for our bodies in that phase. But I also focus on lower body movement in the hips and in the low back. You know, a lot of times we have tightness there. So stretches like just a simple child's pose or pigeon pose, um, a lot of just even a forward fold, things that are supported to that. So as much as you might want to just curl up and not move, it can help to at least have some circulation and get things flowing in a way that feels good to you. But that's really, I mean, of course that's the goal in all the phases is to do what your body is sort of nudging you towards. But at the same time, there may be phases where you can challenge yourself a little bit more and you'll feel like needing that. Whereas right now your capacity for challenging yourself really probably isn't going to be very much. So that's going to be days one through five-ish, six-ish maybe. And then leading into the next phase would be the follicular phase. I have always heard that you're stronger right before your period starts. So I've always had that pressure to go, well, I better go lift really, really heavy because that's when I'm going to be my strongest, right before my cycle starts. Is that true or not? I'm glad you brought that up because that is something in the menstrual phase now I've heard a little bit of both actually, or seen okay. both in the literature, like right before, but also like the first couple days of right. your period when you're, when you're already starting to bleed that you can have like the most, the most strength gains then it may be true, but it all depends on, are you going to have the capacity to do that? And then how does that affect your period? How does right. that affect your menstrual cycle? Then I, I wonder the bigger picture in that, like why maybe our bodies, if that's true for most women, why are we created that way? They're one final, it's almost like, do we have to use that energy for something outward or do we get that burst of energy within us because we need it for the menstrual part of our lives, for the menstrual right. phase itself? You know, like it's funny because I, I've never really thought of it that way before until we just started talking about it. But is it something where instead of splurging all the energy that we have, do we actually need to harness it in a way that maybe is contradictory to? what we've been taught and what we think all our energy needs to go outward, right? We need to do, we need to go, we need to produce and more masculine type energy, but maybe it's more about just receiving that energy and you need it for that time. So the literature has mixed on that, you know, it mixed um, conclusions, I think, which is a whole nother thing with research and women's cycles, because there is some information out there, but it's so interesting in my master's study, even in my undergrad, when I was doing research, I remember a lot of my professors saying to me, well, it's difficult to study women yes. as a population for certain things because of their menstrual cycles. And I, I didn't even think about it at the time, Amy. It was like, oh, okay, well then I'll gear away from measuring those parameters on women or whatever. And I'll just you know do what they were suggesting for me to do. But yeah. now I've thought about it. It's like, that is crazy. And I wish I would have pushed back because like we need that information that's valid data. And it's just such a example of the, the way that the systems and the patterns of learning have really filtered us towards like, well, that's not a, I don't know how to even say it. Like it's not a worthy thing to look at, or it's, it's not, we need it to be consistent or we need it to have certain parameters to it. So therefore, if it doesn't, we just kind of throw it out. Whereas like you and I are thinking like, well, that's valuable information. We need to know, depending on what phase of the cycle they're in, what does the data show, you know, and that would be great information to have. So that's why a lot of the information I think out there on where your body is in terms of exercise and in the cycle is a little bit 
inconclusive in some ways. And it, there is, you know, some anchors to follow obviously within this, but it's also so much about your own experience, I think more so just like anything and so much about how it might change for you depending on the month, the year, what else is going on in your life too. But that's where the personalization comes in. Yeah. But yes, you know, you can give people a blanket. We can, we, you and I can give people all the information in the world on thyroid, on working out, on fitness, on, on everything, but it still comes down to personalizing it for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Always. Yeah. And as you were saying too, um, as far as when would be the time and the cycle, maybe that you'd have the capacity for that heavier lift or like in terms of weight training, it actually would be also from what the literature shows in that first half of the cycle. Mm -hmm. So it would be days one to maybe 14, 15, if you were talking about a 29 day cycle. So Mm -hmm. up until ovulation. So that follicular phase, I call it the build phase because our hormones like estrogen and luteinizing hormone all are rising. And that estrogen rise is helping us to have a greater capacity for heavier or um, more challenging workouts. We're more resilient to cortisol during that phase. Mm -hmm. So we can be more resilient to harder exercise during that phase, you know, Mm -hmm. bigger, greater capacity to recover. And that's really what it comes down to with workouts actually is our capacity to recover. How quickly can you recover from that? How, how well can your body adapt in that way to a stress? So for, for the women who might struggle with exercise up to this point, hopefully you're gathering that during that menstrual phase, you know, you have that pass to take a rest and you definitely can start to incorporate some movements, but I think that's a good way to ease into it. If you're not doing much right now or haven't been doing hardly anything at all, start with thinking about that phase as doing something you really enjoy that feels really good, that opens up maybe your hips, your low back, allows you to move circulation, things like that. And then use the next phase, that build phase to work on stretching yourself a little bit more, not maybe physically, but you know what I mean? Like expanding your capacity. Um, being able to maybe have something that's a little challenging and expect that you might not feel like, oh, that was easy. And I'm walking away feeling so great. Like expect that you might be a little sore and it's okay because that means that you're making an adaptation and your body does something it's not used to. And that's a great part of the cycle. That first half is a great time to challenge yourself. Like I just said. Right. And for my type A's, you don't always have to be sore. For yeah. it to be a good workout. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Gotta throw that in there too. Yes. And that this phase of the cycle is the one that's probably the most fun for us because we have the most energy or the most capacity for that. Although what I find is I can't come out of that menstrual phase too quickly because sometimes after those days off, you start to kind of get in your head a little bit, right? And you're thinking, oh, I've already, I've taken two days off or I've taken three days and I've hardly done anything or whatever it is. And so you start, as soon as you have any bit of energy, you go, right? And what I've noticed personally, and I've seen this pattern in a few of my students as well, talking to them is that when you splurge that energy, as I call it, or think of it, then maybe day five or six, it's like you plummet again. And I've noticed that pattern within myself. And I thought, I wonder if it's because I have splurged a little too quickly. And I really wasn't, you know, like you were saying, you get that little burst of energy and it's like, okay, I'm going to use it all up. Whereas maybe it's a little bit more of a gradual build is a better way to go. 
Yeah, definitely. See, I still have a little bit of the fitness crazy in me because even if I do take a couple of days off, let's say I'm on vacation, let's say it's just a weekend. I, I try to take off Saturday and Sunday just for catch up, family time, all that stuff. Maybe mm-hmm. just walk the dog. That's my my limit of activity. But then come Monday, I'm like out of the gate. I'm just, I'm like a, a bullet. And I tend to overdo it because I want to almost make up for, quote unquote, the last few days that I hadn't worked out. And then, oh my God, if it was five days that I didn't work out, then look out. I'm in the gym for an hour and a half, two hours because I got to make up for it. So there is still a little bit of that crazy deep inside all of us. Well, Mm -hmm. especially I can speak for myself. But Mm -hmm. yeah, um, I I hear what you're saying. And this is great advice because I'm even taking it to heart going, you know what? She's right. Then four days after that, (laughs) I I start to crash. Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes we wonder like, what's going on? You know, why, why is that? And yeah, if you cycle back and, and take a look, it, that's why it is helpful to track because that's how I've noticed patterns that way within myself. And as we near ovulation mid cycle there, um, that is like our, I think I mentioned seasonally inner winter, then follicular phases like inner spring, and then ovulation is like summer. So it's that full outward expression. It's hopefully ovulating and having, um, possibly the biggest bursts of energy or capacity for that too. We have, um, definitely a dip right after ovulation where you might start to feel like, okay, heading into this next phase here of the luteal phase, which we'll talk about, but I call the ovulation, the peak part of the cycle because hormones like estrogen have peaked before they drop again. And then, you know, you really have probably the most outward energy that you're going to have. So that could, that's even in your work, you know, that's a great time to schedule things that you need a lot of energy for. And I find that rather than maybe the the weight training focus where you have, or the sprints, I should say, like the shorter bursts of energy mm-hmm. in the past phase that we just talked about follicular, that this one is more than you might be doing more moderate intensity, but maybe for longer duration. So it's shifting your priority a little bit. And for someone who maybe is a runner and you're doing a little bit of both all the time, it's not that you wouldn't do any interval work during this phase. It's just that maybe you'll notice that your long runs are a little better or that maybe you have maybe like a threshold effort is a little better than like the short sprints, you know? And so you might, you might notice different things within your own personal journey as, as we talked about, but physiologically you're set up for maybe a moderate intensity, longer endurance kind of thing during this phase until you go into the next one, which is the luteal phase. This is premenstrual, mm-hmm. um, you know, days anywhere from maybe 17 to 27. It really can be, it, it's not like these are all spaced evenly. You know, your menstrual phase is maybe five, six days, whereas this luteal phase and leading up to your period that that end of your cycle, a lot of times to me, it feels like a 10 to almost, I mean, it, it really is the second half of the cycle, right? So it could be up to almost two weeks. And this has a lot of ups and downs in it a lot of times for women because of the hormone fluctuations and because of then getting closer and maybe dealing with premenstrual symptoms of bloating. And if our hormones are off, then we're dealing with a lot more of those things. But this can be difficult with workouts because you either don't have the energy that you want to, or you're dealing with maybe recovery or pain, and that's inhibiting you from workouts. So this is the time 
to probably focus on the most where you need to expand outside of that workouts are just physical and that you do it for your mental health and that it's important to focus on those things you ignore. So if you're like, again, that go-getter at the gym, who's always maybe got your routine, you're doing the same thing, you're in your flow and you do that for the first half of the cycle. Well, the second half is to kind of take inventory and think, what have I been neglecting? What do I have that's nagging? What's What's been kind of sore on me that I've been ignoring? Those are good times to check in because I think it gives us like a goal or something to focus on. That's not just about going harder and going faster and doing more heavy weight, but it, so it gives us a purpose, a, pr- a productive kind of thing to focus on, but yet it's more helpful in this phase based on where we're at physically, as opposed to just having that same goal that we always have, which gets so boring and it turns into burnout when you're just like, go, go, go all the time. And so this is definitely a good check-in time. And just to pay attention to those fluctuations so that you can do what's best for your body. And honestly, it's still the hardest one for me. Like I'm still trying to figure out as I know, you know, we all, you talked about this recently on a podcast, Amy, on, um, on here, which about your, your tests, your lab tests, and just how like a lot of times we think, oh, the health and fitness people we're listening to just have it all figured out and they're doing it perfectly or whatever, and nothing's going on there that's an example here for me because I feel like it's, it's so different each time in a way. And I'm also, you know, working on hormonal things myself, trying to make sure that my levels are where they need to be. And so I'm trying to make sure my adrenals are in good um, function and cortisol levels are balanced and high enough, uh, but not too high. You know what I mean? So there's lots of things that I'm playing with too. And so when I get into all these phases, it's thinking about it all the time, but it's particularly in this one for me because that's where it's like my mind wants to go, but my body's saying no. And I don't want to contradict that because I know where that has led me before. <laughs> so there's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot to consider with what's best for me. And sometimes you don't always know, you know, sometimes you go out and you think, okay, am I tired just because I've been sitting at the computer all day? Right. Or am I tired because like I'm legit tired and need to do something else today besides go to the gym and do what I was planning to do? And a lot of times it means doing a 10, 15 minute warm up and then deciding. And that is a life changing piece of just, you know, it's such a simple thing. But honestly, it really helps because you'll know in the warm up if it's just sluggishness that you needed to shake off. Or if you're really tired and you need to do something else and have the like the discipline and the courage to be able to say, okay, you need to do something easier today. I had to cut a run short last week. I was planning on doing like double of what I did. And I literally cut it in half because I just felt exhausted. Yeah. And did I, did I have that thing go off in my head where it's like, oh, if I want to go, I just want to do it. Yeah. And did I think to myself like, oh, I didn't do what I wanted to do. Yeah. It's a little frustrating, yeah. but at the same time, the more you do it, the more you, you listen and you, you take that side where, you know, you're more in alignment with what your body needs that day, and you're on that path, maybe even of healing and following that, then it gets a little easier. It gets a little more, at least maybe not easier, but just more like you, you have the confidence that you know what you're hearing with your body is more in tune, like the body awareness piece and your confidence line up. And that really helps to um, just help you feel better about it overall, I guess. 
And that actually means you're more advanced in, in your, your health journey because the people that, and, and we've all done this, right? We've all gone to the gym with, with just like you said, Jenny, the intentions of doing X, Y, Z. And we get there and we go, oh man, not today. Yeah, I just can't even imagine that. And then we beat ourselves up instead of looking at it as you just got in tune with your body. You just listened to your body's signals and you obeyed them instead of overriding them, that's a win. That's not something to beat yourself up over and walk out of the gym and go, I'm a failure because I didn't complete my workout that I planned today. No, you you actually advanced yourself in your health journey because you just tuned into your body. Nine out of 10 people have no tuning in. They are not in touch Mm -hmm. with their body whatsoever and they don't listen to the signals. So that's actually kind of a progression yeah, you're right. Thanks for saying that. That's a good pep talk for me <laughs> and thinking of it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I guess that's essentially what I was saying with the body awareness, but like you, you expanded on that where like, it really is a win because that's going to serve you better in the long run anyway. Like we don't, we don't improve upon any fitness goal that we have, whether it be getting stronger or some kind of body transformation or, running a certain distance or at a certain time or whatever it is, we don't ever get, I don't think, to our fullest, most amazing capacity of that if we're not listening. Because I think if you continue to override, you might think, well, the people that continue to override, like they get the furthest because they're just able to do kind of get past that physical and just, it's all mental, just push, push, push. But what I found and what I I feel like I've seen in a lot of clients and just even watching other athletes out there is that you can only do that for so long. You can only override that for so long. Like the body always leads the way. (laughs) So if you're not listening, there's sooner or later, you're going to have that tipping point. And you might not see it in everybody. And that's the thing. Like we only see the highlights and the, the flashy pictures or numbers or goals reached. Right. And you think, Oh, that person's just constantly doing it. They're constantly reaching that goal. They're constantly out there, but you don't see the the time when they completely fell off the rails because they've been overriding that signal for a long time. And now they're in a place where they have to kind of re recover that. So Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you know, from going through in your past an eating disorder and you said Mm -hmm. how that kind of, you know, crushed your body and and Mm -hmm. threw some things off. And I always talk about going through the yo-yo dieting of competing and fitness modeling that crushed my body that threw major things off. So that's just, I mean, just between two people sitting here, that's proof positive that if you keep pushing and you push yourself to a limit that the body doesn't want, the body will win. Mm-hmm. It, it will absolutely win in the end. Yeah. 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 I agree. Did we go through all the cycles? Did we get to the end? I think did we, we get to, yeah. Did I talk about luteal? Yeah. The premenstrual phase then would then lead you right back up to the beginning. So, uh, right. yeah, I think that that wraps it up well for at least, I guess at least just saying, so it gives those people who are the go-getters that anchor for not overdoing it because there are different purposes of each phase and there's different paces that are needed. And you can apply this to anything that you do. You can apply it to your running program. You can apply it to your weight program. And of course, those are details that 
you know, might be more, if you're knowledgeable in fitness, you can apply it based on a progression model, but it's something I teach in my courses with how to do that in a cyclical progression versus a linear one, which is often the plan that we're given. That's, those are the plans I used to write as a trainer that were very linear progressions, more for like a masculine body, but there's a cyclical progression you can follow based on this and you can still get to where you're going. It's just looks a little different based on where you're at in your cycle. And then if you're the person who's struggling with motivation and you're tired, you know, there's obviously a lot of reasons for that, but for anchoring to something workout wise that you can have different goals in different parts of the month, um, you know, depending on where you're at, it can give you more clear direction so that you're not, I think one of the hardest things when you're not working out consistently is just not knowing what to do, or maybe you have an idea, but again, maybe you're battling with the fatigue and this just gives you, to me, it gives you an option of like, there's always going to be those days. There's maybe more yin and more yang, like the, the more intense or the more restful. And again, like I give workout menus to students with two options, you know, on any given day, there's a yin and a yang. There's, there's two options here, depending on where you are in your cycle and also what you're feeling personally. So you can always play with that, but have this as an anchor to get you on the right track of thinking, okay, well, I know that it's going to change throughout the next month and whatever I am going to get started doing, like, it's okay. As I start to feel different, a lot of times, you know, you might be thinking, if you don't have the energy, then it, the motivation wanes, right? It's like a, yeah. a double-edged sword because you don't have the energy, so you're not working out. And then when you do have the energy, you do work out, but then you get discouraged when you don't have the energy again. So hopefully this reminds you that like, there's going to be times when you don't feel motivated and it's not because you're not doing it right or not because, you know, there's anything wrong necessarily with the fitness approach, you know, there there could be things to look at. And obviously there's things that you're working on in your health, but it doesn't mean that that's not part of how your body works. So there's two challenges there. One is choosing which one to do. And number two is actually tuning in your body to make the right choice, tuning into mm -hmm. your body to make yeah. the right choice based on actually like listening, not just looking at the paper and going, oh, well, I have two to choose from actually tuning in and saying, which one should I choose? Right. And that, and that inspires more of that body awareness, which mm -hmm. like we said, is, is probably the key for all of us. And it's going to allow you to probably have, I think it inspires motivation. I don't know if that's research-based or not, but when we have that body awareness, um, it gets us more connected to the process. And actually, you know, even thinking about some of the principles of the more the psychological aspects of research or of uh, fitness, there's a concept called self-efficacy where it's our belief in our ability to do something that allows us to follow through with it. So the higher our belief in our ability to go and do a particular workout, the more, the more likely that we are to do it. So I think having that body awareness is potentially connected there because the more, the more you are body aware, the more you're increasing your self-efficacy because you're actually reflecting on your own experiences. And that's one of the ways you increase self-efficacy is reflecting on your past experiences and also looking for examples around you. So the body awareness piece to me is like reflecting on your own experience that you've had. Like I've done this before and so I can do it now. It's just that maybe I'm feeling a little different right now and that's okay. So 
I can pick that up later sort of thing. Yep, exactly. And I think as women too, because we're speaking mainly to women, of course, with cycles, we beat ourselves up over everything. So if we're not perfect in this area, if we don't get to the gym, if we don't do our workout as planned, if we don't eat exactly as planned, if we are tired, we beat ourselves up for being tired. We shouldn't be tired. I should be able to get through the day and do everything. So I think there's just in addition to the just amazing information you gave today on the different workouts that we should be doing through our cycle, I think there's also that message of don't beat yourself up. I mean, if you don't have the motivation, if you are suffering with something like hormone imbalance, thyroid, cortisol, adrenals, all that, and you're or overcoming an injury and you just don't have that energy, you can't find that first step of motivation. You don't go and beat yourself up because like you said, Jenny, it's going to circle back around. And it's just going to keep circling around and around Mm -hmm. and around. And so you'll be low energy and then low motivation, low energy, low motivation. So there's just, there's so many good messages here. This is just amazing. So can you also expand a little bit on, let's say you have a patient come to you, a client come to you and they're a thyroid patient. So that's where I'm going. They have that low energy. They're just starting off, you know, maybe they're, they're one of my people and we're working on optimizing, but then we send to you and we say, please, you know, work with them to, to get them started. Would you say that, Hey, two days a week of doing something you love is a great place to start. Like, where would you start someone like that? Yeah. I think where you're, where you're starting there is thinking about what are you currently doing? And what would be a step forward in that way? So if it's currently nothing, then is it two days a week potentially, or even one, or is it even just doing something consistently on most days of the week, but maybe even just for a shorter period of time that you can really wrap your head around? Like it has to feel doable. It has to feel believable and doable at first. Um, I mean, it always does to a certain capacity because there's a concept too that we talk about in um, fitness a lot, or even in our work, it's called flow. And we have to have something that feels like a little bit of a stretch to be in flow, but we also have to have the capacity to meet it. So if it feels like that, then you're going to be in flow and flow inspires movement and inspires us feeling good. We're doing it. And that's going to inspire you to continue to do it. So it, it does need to feel like you're doing something that's worthwhile that you like, you're thinking to yourself, Oh, I'm proud of myself for completing that amount of time or doing that thing. But it also needs to be manageable that it doesn't feel completely out of reach. Like, Whoa, I just, she just gave me a goal that just seems completely not doable. So I think it's going to be different than for everyone. I'm hesitant to like even put out a particular number, but if it just think, if you just think of it as like, you know, a 20 minute per day or uh, two times a week, but then also think of it in the whole month cycle. That's another thing that I teach is that we all, we've always been in this mindset or, you know, I have, and I'm sure you have too in fitness of like it's per week, right. Or thinking about like, three or four strength sessions per week or five runs per week or whatever it is. But what I started to realize was that if we're going to talk about a monthly cycle, then maybe the way to switch this is to think about it in terms of a month. What if we have 10 10, um, strength training sessions in the month and then however many, you know, 20 some runs in the month that gives you that grace on those weeks that you're not going to have the capacity for six days that week. Right. you know, and it also allows you to 
then put them into the places where maybe you have a greater capacity for it. So that's not to say like you should just take them all from the luteal phase and dump them in the follicular phase just to like catch up. I'm thinking about what you said earlier, Amy, with like catching up on a day you took off. It's not necessarily about doing more in that way, but you know, it you have to decide what that looks like and if that's going to still allow you to reach your goals. It's just a concept to play with instead of thinking about it from week to week. Think about it as a whole month cycle. And I think that might help too with starting out with a goal, going back to if you're a thyroid patient, if you're working on thyroid health or hormone health in general, and thinking about where do I need to, where would be a a good stretch for me to start, but keep in mind that it doesn't have to be a per week or per day. Maybe you do need to go ahead and look at the next month and give yourself a goal of number of miles walk, number of steps taken, number of sessions done, whatever it might be, and then track it. You know, that's another thing that is really important when we write things down and we write, check them off or acknowledge in some way, we reflect back on the fact that where, where we have met them or not met them, it completely changes the process. Like it's just a simple thing to do that you might think, isn't necessary or just isn't worthwhile, but it really does make a difference. If you're starting from doing nothing, you're going to have that edge just by writing down what you intend to do and then reflecting back and see, you know, how you met up with that and what you need to change then maybe in the next cycle. So working from cycle to cycle can be really helpful because you're going to have enough information looking back over all those phases and all the different energies that you felt throughout the you know, four phases with everything. It's funny because there's not just even, there's four I talked about, but it's like, sometimes you feel like you're in between two phases. So that could be a whole phase in itself, but you have a chance to look back and then adjust as you move forward. So hopefully that helps a little, give you some specific ways to think about it and where to start. No, definitely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And, and I know people are sitting there thinking, okay, I'm going to replay this and then take more notes, but what if I want to like work with her to to get this all laid out? So can you tell people, you know, where they can contact you and what kind of programs and services do you offer? I love it. Of course. Yes. I have two courses currently, depending on when you're listening to this, I suppose, but wild femme fit is a 29-day experience to really help you get started with this process and go even a little bit more personalized and individual with it. And then Workout Without Burnout Blueprint is also an online course that is probably more for that person who is either recovering from burnout or wants to avoid it because they're super driven and they have a tendency to overdo and overtrain. And they really need to learn how to manage it, not only in their workouts, but how that sort of effects or um, plays with every other area of their life. You know, we talk about stress and managing our energy a lot in different uh, lessons in that course. So those two courses are two of the best places to begin. And you can find out more details about both of them at my website, jennyholbert.com. Oh yeah. And we'll put all the links in the show notes so people will have easy access to just click a link and go right to it. So I thought that's wonderful. That is absolutely wonderful. I love that you have both of those. So thank you. This has yes. been amazing. Yeah, I've loved talking to you about this. It's fun because of your background and just, you know, not only your background with fitness, but just with thyroid health and working with women with hormones because you really understand 
what <laughs> listeners are thinking with, um, you know, the different ways that we manage our energy and the ways we approach workouts. And I just hope that between all of what we've shared that this is really helpful and you're walking away with some things you can put into practice and take the next step with this. I think it's an overlooked piece of our, our whole health journey because we think, well, I need to work out, like just check off that box, but it's how are you doing it and why are you doing it? And I feel like that's where this kind of comes in. It's, it's really important, the details, and it's not just for advanced people because you can really get off track just getting started if you don't have this knowledge. So I know you have a ton of it now just from listening to this, but in putting it into practice in your own life, it, it's going to make a huge difference. And I think you know, whatever goal you're working on hormonal health wise, thyroid health, that you'll be able to get there in a more efficient, maybe even quicker way with this uh, practice, because otherwise it might be something that's kind of one of those things on the side that you haven't addressed that is maybe holding you back in some ways. So I just really hope that you put something into practice from here and it helps you on your journey, wherever you're at. I don't know. I'm sure people will, and a lot of light bulb moments too, just even for myself. When you start, when you're talking about all the different phases, having that light bulb go off to go, oh yeah, that's right. Last month at this time, yeah, that's exactly how I felt. So a lot of light bulb moments and a lot of, a lot of good things to chew on for people to even pay attention in their cycle as this next month unfolds. We didn't even get the chance to talk about the moon, so we'll have to bring you back on to talk about those phases. But yeah, this has been absolutely fantastic, phenomenal. Thank you so much for your time. Really My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So like I said, we will put all of Jenny's information in the show notes for you guys to check out. I highly, highly recommend it. And thank you once again for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, please share this episode and check out the entire Thyroid Fix podcast on iTunes. And it would be awesome if you left a review. Please refer to the show notes for all the links. Everything that we talk about in this podcast will be in there with a guide for you on how you can get your life back. Let's get fixed.